Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Hi, Stacey, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, John. I am I am home, still no traveling, so it's sort of nice to be uh, sitting in the same place for more than a week in a row. And I'm sitting, and the weather's beautiful here in North Carolina, so, so doing well today. Beautiful summer weather in North Carolina? I don't believe it. I know. <laughs> They must have. They must have rearranged it just because you were visiting. Without a doubt, yes. <laughs> they they they've made it just a slightly less muggier than it was the couple of weeks before. So I I will take it. We 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 like, you know, for a while we were up to the hundred degree weather there, and we're I think we're down to ninety five, which is much more palatable. <laughs> oh man, I was in New York City last week, and and and, and the experienced temperature on the ground was in the hundred teens. It was yeah. it was horrendous. Yeah. There's a point <laughs> at which being in the city is not fun. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, we reached it. We reached it. Um, 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 so, what's going on with you? How's the research going along? Uh, we're doing really well. Uh, we just finished up um, the, the major part of the cleaning last week, so we started doing some data crunching this week, started looking at our our um, what we call outcome-based HR uh, organizations. Uh, we added a new group of organizations this year. Um, well, I haven't got the data yet for it, but it was specifically in honor of you, John, we added an emerging technology group. So we will have some insights into those organizations that are are, are um, focused on more of the emerging technology um, applications. Um, so yeah, we're we're excited. We're, we don't have anything to quite share yet because we're still crunching the data, but I think we're going to get some interesting things this year. I think things are starting to move a little bit. You know, we we've had kind of a quiet, I think, um, time in the HR tech space where people have been sort of fixing their core systems, and now they're starting to pick up. Um, a lot of applications on the side that are that are interesting in the emerging tech space. So it should be fun to, to see what comes out this year. That's exciting. Well, I've got all sorts of exciting news. Um, you, you know, I don't know that you've seen this yet, Stacy, but but uh, HR executive HR executive magazine just published this great five-page little white paper of mine that that covers the top. 15 or 20 silos inside of HR tech. So it's a, so it's a, so it's a single, simple, keep it on your desktop, um, uh, glossary of the basic pieces of HR technology. Um, and so I'm excited to see that that thing's out. Um, next week you'll be able to get it from the HR examiner website. So that's, that's one big thing. And I'm doing a, um, a webinar about what the premise of HR technology is on the 1st of August with HR. uh, So you figured it all out, and you'll be able to tell us, right? (laughs) Well, I figured it all out a long time ago, but I'm starting to tell people now. (laughs) There you go. It's it's been a secret for far too long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Way too long, yeah. Very, very closely guarded secret. I think sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's just very complicated. You, you know, um, I've got this. It, it's not, it's not in the white paper because the white paper tries to keep it simple. But, but one of my standard presentation charts shows seventy-five different 
things that you can purchase as HR technology. That's crazy, yeah. Well, and the reason it shows 75 is because I couldn't fit 150 on the page. Um, <laughs> uh, right, right, and so as you step down into each one of those things, in that, in that group of 75, talent acquisition has six pieces. But if you go look deeply at talent acquisition, they're really about 30 pieces of talent acquisition. And the same sort of ratios are true in learning. If you look at the top, it looks like five or six things, but there's all of this other stuff underneath it. So it, it gets to be a pretty crazy comprehensive space that we're covering. And one of the things that I know to be true is that no company does it the same way. Yeah, yeah. And that, that I think, is I, I, our data can back you up on that one without a doubt, John. It was interesting today I, I was uh, doing a presentation for some senior executives <laughs> Uh, of a large company uh, in Canada, and the, the the goal of the presentation was to get the executives to understand that no single application was going to fix all of their problems, that they were creating an ecosystem. And, you know, you could start to see the, the, the wheels churn as they started to realize that they, they weren't looking at one or even, you know, two or three applications because they hadn't done any replacements or updates in a very long time, but probably more like five or six applications at the start, um, and and that was on the on the low side. So you know, the, once they finally realized that there are so many different ways in which you can sort of enhance what you're doing in the HR technology space, um, it was an interesting conversation. That the, the, they started really asking, I think, the important questions, which is how do you prioritize those decisions, right? <laughs> Well, and it's, it's going to get it's going to get worse. So, so it has become clear to me since we last talked that every organization is going to have the equivalent of millions of different data models. Yeah. And a data model a data model is a way of arranging pieces of data to approximate a decision, right? And so, so because Processing power has has become ridiculously inexpensive, and storage has become ridiculously inexpensive. It's possible to build all sorts of ways of predicting things, and so my my view is that um, anything that can pr- be predicted will be predicted, and companies are going to have to keep track of that. Uh, and and so if you think about the astonishing array of things that you might want to predict about human behavior in your organization, that's all going to be handled by uh, the HR department. And for every one of those models, you're going to want to know where does the data come from and what's its quality, what happens to it when it goes inside of the model, and how does the interface work on the back end, and what are the ethical issues associated And so just the governance part of introducing intelligence into the workplace is going to be extraordinary. And currently there isn't a single governance product out there. No, there's not. And I think that governance conversation and the ethical conversation is the number one reasons we really need to start, um, I think, getting a better handle on what are the skill sets of the new HR technologists because they are going to be at the center of, this conversation in a way that no one else in the company is because you know when you're looking at financial data or you're looking at marketing data or you're looking at other you know 
you have a certain set of data in those environments um, that is generally fairly anonymous or has a fairly anonymous component to it. In the HR environment, there's a lot of, of personal connection and personal information that's tied to each other. And that's the, the HR technologist role is going to be able is going to be about making sure that that data doesn't get used in any uh, way that, that could be seen as unethical, right? Well, so that means there's a security piece too, right? So it's yeah. so it's data in, structure of the algorithm, data out, ethics, security. Um, um, it's gonna it's gonna be there's a role here that's very different, and um, the entire enterprise is going to have this sort of question. Yeah. yeah. And, and the HR people are gonna have to they're gonna have to. Um, be able to converse with the people in the rest of the organization about where their tools cross over some ethical line that HR knows about that engineering doesn't understand. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the I think one of the roles of or one of the things that GDPR has put in place is that there every organization has to have someone who basically has ownership of the data within an organization. So like the chief data officer. Isn't that correct? I don't know. I think the last time I read the details around that, they they said it wasn't. It's more specific for larger organizations, and within smaller organizations, they just have to identify someone who owns it. But I know that is one of the things that GDPR was tackling as well. So it's it's a big topic, yeah. Well, and there's there's a requirement in GDPR for algorithmic transparency. But you should. uh, It's it's. I've been looking at. Um, vendors tools the, the vendors are, are in the process of automating the creation of algorithms and so they have these it's, it's almost like a huge vat of witches brew a big you know like 200 gallon drum of witches brew bubbling over a fire um, and there's there's literally thousands of algorithms and data models being developed and tested inside of this environment, right? You don't necessarily do it one at a time. You can automate it. You can say, you know, we're looking at flight risk. Let's run all of the thousand possible scenarios for flight risk and see which of them are useful and which of them aren't. And then when we find the ones that are useful, let's, Let's go down another layer, um, and 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 it gets very theoretical to talk about what the model is because the machine creates it. Well, and we're we're sort of facing that in in some sense in in another space right now, which is in diversity and inclusion, right? <clears throat> the conversation about whether or not you can actually basically take bias out of these algorithms and out of this witch's brew, as you create, as you call it, right? Is that even feasible? Um, and we're seeing a lot of that going on in the market as well. It's a, it's a crazy thing. I know, right, the, the language, the language is where this starts to get weird, right? Because, because people who don't really understand the space and don't really understand the problem say things like, you can remove bias from the organization or you can remove bias from the hiring process and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, there's a great, 
I, I need I need to find it and publish it. There's a great um, a video about racial coding and how um, when people who have who speak the normal ethnic language that you speak in our culture talk on the telephone or fill out a resume, they learn to write in white people English. Um, and um, they learn to write in white people English because it works. Uh, and there's, there's a discrimination against that. The idea with a lot of the software is that you can stop the discrimination from happening but, but I'm going to tell you that it is so subtle um, that what you can pick up from a tone in the voice or tone in the language in a resume, that, that, that I don't see it being actually possible that you can remove bias from the process. You can manage it. Companies like Textio don't claim to be able to remove bias. They claim to be able to manage it. And... I believe you can manage it, but I don't think you can eliminate it. Well, well, we've got a lot of things in the. I mean, we didn't have a lot of news this week, but we had we had a few of things that are that are right in this this uh, wheelhouse. Um, organizations that feel that they are um, getting to some some deep conversations about the bias um, conversation. One is Greenhouse that picked up fifty million dollars this week. Um, in for their recruiting platform, and the big focus was diversity inclusion. We also had an update from SAP that announced their new anti-bias alerts and performance management this week. Um, so I think there's some interesting dialogue there to what you were talking about. Um, and if we have a little bit of time, you know, there's some other stuff going on this week um, that I think gets into this a little bit more. We're seeing that um, organizations are leveraging um, – more and more technologies that will give us more insights into the human personality, right, um, which has a element of bias. So, for example, I know we're seeing technology right now that will allow people to understand facial expressions um, when they're looking at um, specific messages being sent to them. Um, and that technology is, is being released into the market right now. We're also um, looking at VR technology glasses that are allowing people to use their muscle features to get work done instead of actually, you know, having a keyboard or a mouse and that there are some elements there of whether or not you're comfortable with doing that kind of work in a virtual environment. Um, and then there's some updates this week about um, things like Skillsoft adding 1,250 book summaries to their Percipio. So uh, it, it's been a quiet week, but there are, I think, a lot of stuff along the lines you were talking about. So, so let's let's start with Greenhouse. 50 million bucks, and the headline in my in-basket was 50 million dollars for diversity technology. And, and you get right away, you get to a really interesting question. In HR, largely, um, diversity is a code word for compliance. Would you agree? Well, um, I think it sometimes can be. Um, I think there are a, a set of, of um, people within HR that are truly trying to get more diverse um, environments, both in um, backgrounds and culture and experience, as well as in compliance-related things like uh, race and gender and uh, you know 
whether or not you're female or male, those type of things. So uh, I think it depends a little bit on who you're talking to. But, yes, and oftentimes it is very much about whether or not you are um, in compliance with what's happening from a regulatory perspective. So, 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 so I've looked and looked and looked, and I've never encountered somebody who's actually doing what you said. Um, uh, do, do, do you know somebody who's doing, who, who is actively looking to expand background and, and cultural things that are not related to compliance questions? Well, I don't know that I've had them specifically tied to I can I can note them specifically tied to any specific sort of recruiting processes, right? Um but I do know that I've had multiple conversations with people at Microsoft. Um they have programs that are that are looking at not just um diversity as it relates to um regulated um, categories, but diversity in thinking and diversity and experiences and background. Um, um, surprisingly, oh, I'm awesome. one of the people. Awesome. I know, yeah, one of the people that they've brought in to um, um, combat some of the challenges at Uber. All oh, this week, there's been more announcements for Uber that have been not in a good light. But they had a um, uh, a speaker that I saw who is being brought in on the leadership side at the Uber um, organization, who is specifically looking at diversity in this uh, perspective. I think this leader may be one of the people who was doing the investigation that came uh, away with what happened with the um, – I can't say for sure, but I, but I know that when, when the, um, she was speaking at a conference, she said one of the things they're doing is some investigations into their diversity conversations. Well, this may have been part of what happened with the, the new um, – or with yeah, the head of yeah, HR. That would, that would be compliance um, related, it, right? It, it would be. Discrimination and, and um, but not including people in protected classes, right? And, and so, so that's happening all over the place. People are paying a lot of attention to it. It's the other stuff, right? The the in, the diversity and inclusion that doesn't involve protected classes. That's 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 what um, um, would be interesting to to see because that's that that's that's a challenging thing to talk about in our space. I, that, as I said at the beginning, I think diversity and inclusion are code words for compliance. Yeah, no, this speaker was specifically mentioning how they were going to try and, you know, move beyond just the regulated environments and talk more about the ideas of the fact that they needed to have diverse backgrounds, experiences, and ways of thinking to get to the right mix within organizations. But, yes, whether they're there or not right now is probably, I would say, uh, a big no on that. But you're right. I think very few organizations are able to get here. But I think mostly the reason they're not able to get there is because they're still dealing with the compliance issues, right? Yeah, or maybe that's the only thing here. I I don't know. I I haven't been able to identify a technology company that has a project that can categorize diversity in a way that allows you to measure it and um, and improve it um, that isn't fundamentally oriented to delivering EEOC reports. Mm-hmm. I would agree, yeah. There's probably not. I would think many of the organizations that are dealing with team um, management and team development, especially if they're dealing with some level of personality traits, right, are probably on the edge of that, but probably nothing at the level that you're talking about. Yes, correct. Yeah, and, and I don't mean I don't mean to to do anything but celebrate 
diversity that attacks both the things that are the kind of discrimination that's illegal and, and, and often unintentional and the kind of discrimination that ought to be illegal. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think those are grand things to, to, to attack in a big way, particularly in Silicon Valley, but it's not that other kind of diversity. This is, this is solving workplace safety problems. Um, maybe that's a good way to make a distinction between the two. The, the, the compliance stuff is all about work, making the workplace safe for people with different backgrounds. Um, the, the, the other stuff, the stuff that we're trying to get around to in this conversation is um, productivity enhancing diversity that's above and beyond the safety component. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it, probably. Yeah, and and I think the the challenge is is that the compliance issues, the the regulated stuff, is still such a challenge in organizations. Um, that's where the investments are at. I mean, that is definitely where Greenhouse is focusing on helping organizations um, do a better job of sort of assessing their their uh, what they would call diversity efforts. Um, and whether or not they have unconscious bias built into their hiring process. Um, and that seems to be where the funding is going to be spent, it seems. Yeah, so, so, so it's awesome. Greenhouse got $50 million to perfect their uh, diversity and inclusion in the hiring processes. You can't imagine anything better. I just spent some time on the phone with Greenhouse last week, and they are – at the same time that they're doing this, they're doing the kind of experimentation necessary to really improve the quality of the interface in their AI-related applications. And so, so it's exciting to see them operating right now. We're also seeing, I think, some interesting stuff. Um, SAP did their announcement, and one of the big things that they um, highlighted last, year when I went to their analyst, or earlier this year when I went to their analyst event, was the new anti-bias program that they had. Um, and it looks like now they're going beyond just recruiting and they're building it into their performance management process. Now, they have a model that's a little bit like Textio in that it will highlight words and language and and give you an assessment of sort of how much those words and language might be affecting certain um, diversity groups. Uh, and they're building that into their performance management process. I will say this is one of the first times that I'm starting to see some of this utilized outside of the recruiting space, and I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and, and you, have to, you have to figure it out. You know, one of the things that I'm waiting to see is, is a tool that identifies potential risk areas and, and points people to solving it. So, you know, if there's a male manager with high levels of female attrition that tells you something, even if it isn't being reported mm -hmm. and, and tools that allow you to dig and find out where there are anomalies in the data that indicate that, that discrimination and harassment are taking place um, are, are the next thing that you're going to see, I think. Well, it, it would be interesting to understand a little bit more about what the process Uber just went through um, with their chief HR officer 
because um, I know part of the, the process of her leaving was an investigation. Now, an investigation right now, to your point, is what happens after the fact, right? Are there early predictors that some of these situations will be coming about? And I think that's that's part of what you're talking about, right? Getting to the of before. Course. Yeah. Of course there are. And, and we're going to have to move from diversity and harassment are – only problems if they're reported by employees to taking a yep. proactive strategy to identifying pockets where things are happening and cleaning them up, just like we do with spills on the floor of a factory or dangerous equipment. Right? We, we watch, we monitor. As soon as something seems to be going sideways, we intervene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of technology that is focused on things like safety and uh, uh, possible safety factors. Um, and I could definitely, that, that, that's a very good point. You could definitely see where we could see this up front. And the, the stuff that SAP is talking about could definitely be part of that, right? The anti-bias alerts and performance management are a step in that direction. Now, one of the other things that they announced this week in their quarterly update for analysts is that they have now reached around 6,400 in-cloud customers, which is pretty big. So part of that idea of what they're able to do with the anti-bias alerts is that they feel that they that they have enough data now, both with their internal data, but they're also using, I think, some external data sources for this to be comfortable with their sort of uh, natural language processing and their technology to get some um, true predictive analysis of, of the language and what might be um, possible um, bias um, challenges for them. Um, they also announced that they are, I think another thing that what probably people should be paying attention to, that they are updating their employee central time management. That's actually a pretty big announcement. It was, pretty, it was done kind of quietly. Um, you know, a lot of organizations right now are watching what's happening in the workforce management space with time and scheduling. Um, and the, the big players in this space is Kronos, and they've come out with their new cloud technology. Um, but SAP has been a longtime partner, both of Kronos and Workforce Software, and to see them invest in their time and attendance, um, and it looks like a pretty nice and a pretty big investment in that space, um, possibly you know, gives an inkling of, of where they might be heading down the road. Fascinating. So we probably have uh, time for one more bit of news before the show is out. What's up? What else is up in the list? Um, well, we did get one other um, organization that was getting some financing this week, Meet Frank. Have, do you know the Meet Frank organization, John? Uh, they are a, a secret recruitment app at all? No, no, I, 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 don't, I don't know Meet Frank. I just, I just can't get over thinking that it should be spelled M-E-A-T, and that's sort of a scarecrow <laughs> made out of hamburger. But, yeah. but I'm probably <laughs> wrong about that. Yes, <laughs> it's it's actually a it's a recruitment chatbot. Um, they just received one point one million dollars. Um, it's a, it's a downloadable app that um, is used to find passive job matching uh, through a chatbot model. Um, it's interesting. It's it's one of those things that I was uh, I I haven't seen them previously, but I have um, heard of similar technologies. Um, this one seems to be getting off the ground a little bit. Um, they have um, 
quite a bit of venture capital that looks like they're they're investing in here. They have about 2,000 companies using the app at this point. Um, they're doing their work out of um, Eastern Europe, out of Estonia, Finland, Sweden, Latvia, Lithuania, and they've just recently gone into Germany. But it's it's the idea that they have this sort of very you know millennial generation, I guess you would say, app that you download and it through a series of gamification and um, questions, it matches you up anonymously with opportunities, but it gives the opportunity for you to sort of uh, tell the this app that you're looking for a job without the whole world knowing it. Now, that's not a new concept, but it seems to be something that people are willing to invest in right now. So, Okay. Uh, that's cool. Uh, what a great conversation. It's definitely the the slow days of summer for the news, but but we'll have a lot more uh, stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. I think both you and I are digging into our research efforts, so we'll probably be sharing some of that up through August this year. Oh so. yeah, and and I'm going to be in Webinar City. Uh, you, you can look at the uh, HR Examiner website, and there'll be details of the upcoming webinars. I've, I've got three or four between now and the end of the summer. So. Thanks, Stacey. This was great. Yeah, definitely. We'll see everybody next week. Alrighty. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. 